confidence because we're going to the book of Hebrews chapter 9 and I do feel the presence of the Lord here tonight and I'm thankful that the Lord loves you and me praise God praise God hallelujah praise the name of the Lord isn't isn't it wonderful to know that God is leading us and guiding us that he is our Lord, our shepherd, we have nothing to fear. Isn't that great? Fear not, little flock. It's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. All right, let's go. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 1. Then verily the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. For there was a tabernacle made, the first wherein was the candlestick and the table and the shoe bread, which is called the sanctuary. Verse 3, everybody. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the ark of the covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna and Aaron's rod that budded and the tables of the covenant. And over it the cherubims of glory shadowing the mercy seat of which we cannot now speak particularly. And for a few moments I want to teach and preach on this subject. We pray, restore. We pray, restore. Father in heaven, we give you praise. Lord, we take dominion over every spirit in the name of Jesus, and we ask, O oh God, that the Holy Spirit of God would fill this house. I pray, Lord, that every heart, Lord God, would be drawn to you, and every mind would be drawn to you, and every body would be healed tonight during the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God. For thy Word, O oh God, is powerful. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we give you praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. So, God bless you. Thank you for being in Bible study tonight. And that's now what we've come to do. So are you ready? We're going to study the Bible for a few minutes. You may be seated. Thank you for being with us tonight. Hallelujah. The Ark of the Covenant was three and three-fourths feet long. It was two and a quarter feet wide, and it was two and a quarter feet high, the Ark of the Covenant. There was a crown of gold that went around the top of the Ark of the Covenant in which the mercy seat was fitted. Above and at each end of the golden chest were statutes of cherubims, and the guardian of God's glory, they faced each other with their wings stretched out over the mercy seat and the tips of their wings touched and their faces were toward the mercy seat. The ark had rings on each side for poles that the priests would use when they would carry the ark. And you know that the ark was a very important symbol of the presence 
of the Lord. Matter of fact, God made a promise that he would appear in the cloud over the mercy seat. The Ark of the Covenant was the only piece of furniture in the Holy of Holies. It was made out of wood. It was overlaid with gold. And that was a symbol of the humanity, the wood, the gold, the deity of Jesus Christ. And so the Ark was where the concentrated Spirit of God dwelt. And one of the things it typified was our Holy Ghost experience. It was a type of Jesus, the wood and the gold. The Word of God inside, the miracles of God. So it was a type of Jesus. It's also a type of our experience with the Lord. Our Holy Ghost experience. The ark, remember, was the only piece of furniture in the Holy of Holies. And there's a reason for that too. Because Jesus Christ according to Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, is the image of the invisible God. He is the only image of the invisible God. Praise God. And so the ark was the first piece of furniture that was made. When God gave Moses the instructions for the building of the tabernacle, I think it's interesting to note that he began with the ark and he ended the instructions with the outer gate. Everybody with me tonight now? I'm going to try to take you somewhere if, if you'll follow me. When God gave the instructions, the first thing he instructed on what to build and how to build was the Ark of the Covenant. And the last thing, you would think he'd start with the gate and move on in. But he didn't. He started with the, the Ark of the Covenant and then moved in the other direction to the gate. And the Bible tells us that the lamb was slain from the foundation of the world. In other words, when it says it started with the ark, it's telling us that Calvary was not a reaction. Calvary was not an afterthought. When God started with the ark, which was a type of Christ... It was letting us know that the lamb was in the mind of God, slain from the foundation of the world, in the mind of God. As the tabernacle be began with the ark and ended with the gate, so Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. Are you with me? Jesus is the first and he's the last. He's the author. He's the finisher. He's the good shepherd. But he's also the lamb. And he's also the door to the sheepfold. He is the ark and he's the gate. It's all in him. Somebody say praise the Lord. Somebody say I'm glad I came to Bible study tonight. Hallelujah. The Bible calls Jesus the firstborn of every creature. Why? Because in the mind of God, the first thing that was in the mind of God was how he was going to come in flesh. <clears throat> he was the firstborn of every creature in the thinking of God. Somebody say, praise God. He is before all things, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Somebody say, Jesus first. Jesus 
and Jesus last. The ark, the symbol of the Lord's presence, was carried in advance of the armies of Israel when they would go out to battle. And when the ark was set forward, Moses would say, Rise up, Lord, and let thine enemies be scattered. And let them that hate thee flee before thee. And when the army came home, when Johnny came marching home again, hurrah. But when they came back in, then Moses would say, Return, O Lord, unto the many thousands of Israel. That ark that God gave, that ark, when the waters of Jordan were at its flood tide, the priests took the ark, and when their feet stepped into the water, the water of Jordan's river rolled back. Hallelujah. The ark that I'm talking about was carried around the walls of Jericho. And when that ark was carried around the walls of Jericho, the next thing you remember is the walls of Jericho came tumbling down. The Ark of the Covenant represents Jesus and our relationship and our experience with Jesus. The mercy seat was sprinkled with blood on the top of that Ark, and it was the meeting place between God and man. And the Bible says, for there is one God and, media and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. When the Babylonian armies invaded, this is where I need you to stay with me now. When the Babylonian armies invaded Jerusalem and destroyed the temple in 588 BC, the ark disappears from history. They had the ark from the time of Moses' tabernacle all the way through the kingdom age. It was moved into the temple in Solomon's day. But when Nebuchadnezzar marched against Jerusalem, you never read again about the ark. It disappears from history. How could this happen? How could the people of God lose the ark of the covenant? How could it be possible? And actually, I want to show to you that the ark was not lost exactly when Nebuchadnezzar's army marched against it. That was the final blow. But the ark had been disappearing by steps for a while. The ark was lost, not suddenly like a blowout, but over a long process, a slow leak. Hear me tonight. There are some gifts that God has given that you would never give up knowingly. There are some things that God has given us that we would never give up willingly. And the Bible says this, and I'm getting, I'm getting closer to what, what I feel like God's talking to us about. In Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 14, strong meat belongeth to them that are, are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to, to discern both good and evil. This verse is telling us 
that there are some things we lose if we do not use. We don't just throw them out the window. We don't give them up on purpose. There are some things that are lost because they are not used. And after a while, they are gone. And people look around and say, where'd it go? I don't know. The things that God has given us are kept healthy when we exercise them and strengthen them by use. If you don't know what I'm talking about, think about maybe someone that you love or know that for some reason was not able to get out of bed for about a month. And then when they wanted to get up after a long illness or whatever it was, an accident that kept them in bed for a month or so, physical therapy people and occupational therapy people had to come along and that person had to retrain their muscles how to walk again. It wasn't something that they wanted to give up. They lost it because they couldn't exercise it. Are you still with me? The holy things God has given us only stay healthy by constant practice. And so the writer of Hebrews, I'm in a lot of Hebrew scriptures tonight, but the writer of Hebrews said in chapter 2, verse 1, he said, therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. It wasn't intentional. It wasn't a throwing away. It wasn't discarding. It was just something that slipped away gradually. The dedication of the temple of Solomon was an event mightily blessed of the Lord. How many remember reading about the dedication of the temple of Solomon? It was awesome. The Bible says in 1 Kings about that dedication in chapter 8, verse 10, and it came to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place that the cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord. I want you to know that the glory of God came into the dedication of the temple of Solomon and people could not even stand up. You've heard about people being slain in the spirit. Well, it goes all the way back to here. They couldn't stand because of the influence of the spirit of God. They had to sit down. The priest couldn't even stand because the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord. I've never seen that beautiful cloud, but mama has. And she's told me one time or more about how she was in prayer and she looked up and there was a cloud that had covered the house. I believe that that cloud can still be located. I believe there's a place in the spirit where we can see the Shekinah of God, the, the glory of the Lord can come down upon us. Come on, I'm starting to feel the invitation of the supernatural tonight. Woo! But how could it be that 416 years approximately 
after the dedication of the temple of Solomon that the Ark of the Covenant goes missing in action. What a demonstration of the Spirit of God when the dedication of the temple and, and the priests couldn't even, whoo, they couldn't even stand up. But how could it be that many years later the Ark of the Covenant would be lost and has never been found to this day? And the answer is hidden in the same verse that talks about the dedication of the temple of Solomon. There is a key that you pick it up and you insert it in the keyhole and all of a sudden you understand how the ark could become missing. It's found in 1 Kings Chapter 8 and verse 9. And it simply says, and this is during the dedication ceremony, there was nothing in the ark save the two tables of stone which Moses put there at Horeb when the Lord made a covenant with the children of Israel when they came out of the land of Egypt. Before the people of God ever lost the ark itself, they began to lose some of the critical contents that was in the ark. It was not that they took the ark and pitched it out in the backyard and said, we don't need it anymore. It, it was a gradual process that even at the glorious dedication of the Temple of Solomon, there's something that God puts in the Holy Word to get your attention, to cause you to stop and look about it and look and think about it. And it says there was nothing in the ark save the two tables of stone. Now, wait a minute. We know that God, Moses and Aaron, placed a golden pot of manna inside the Ark of the Covenant. I'm not turning there, but it's in Exodus 16.33. We know that God had Aaron's rod that budded placed in the Ark in number 17. But at the dedication of the temple... The golden pot of manna and the Aaron's rod that budded are missing. Listen, listen. Out of the three things that God had placed in the ark, only the stone commandments containing the Ten Commandments, or the stone tablets containing the Ten Commandments were left. The golden pot of manna, which God had commanded to be preserved as a testimony for future generations, was gone. The golden pot of manna symbolizing God's supernatural power to supply all your need, gone. The golden pot of manna testifying of God's power to do the miraculous was missing. The golden pot of manna that was gathered every day and whose taste was the taste of fresh oil, gone. 
Aaron's rod that budded, that God had ordered to be placed in the Ark of the Covenant to be kept as a continual warning against rebellion and murmuring and the dire consequences of rebellion and murmuring missing. God intended this blooming rod to be kept for a token and a testimony to remind everybody, fear God, respect God, don't trifle with God, don't be a fool and play games with God. That blooming rod was placed in the ark so that people would know that God is a miracle working God and a God to be respected. Every time they thought about Aaron's rod, they thought about the consequences of rebellion. Every time they thought about Aaron's rod, they thought about Aaron's rod, they remembered that God had placed delegated leaders in their lives. And it was for their good, for the perfecting of the work that God was doing in their life, and it was for their edification. Every time they thought about the, the rod that budded, bloomed and budded, they remembered the importance of submission to God. That it's not just, hey, God, just want to inform you today, this is what I'm planning on doing. If you like it, good. If you don't, I'll talk to you tomorrow. When they thought about Aaron's rod, listen, they were forced to remember that God puts up and God puts down. Squall and ball, slam your fist on the floor, say it didn't go the way I wanted it to go and it certainly didn't go the way I wanted it to go. But at the end of the day, I picture Aaron's rod and I say, you know what? God's in charge. When they considered Aaron's rod, they remembered the miracle power of God. How that God can bring life out of an old dead stick. That God can do anything. That he can take an old dead piece of wood and make life come out of it. Aaron's rod made them think about how God could do a quick work. How that in one evening that old dead rod bloomed, blossomed, and bore almonds. But over a period of many years, by the time of Solomon, they had lost the golden pot of manna. They had misplaced Aaron's rod that budded. And by the time of King Solomon, they had lost two out of three of the contents of the ark. And all they had left were two tables of stone. Two tables of stone. Now, I love the word of God, and the word of God endures forever, so I'll thank God that it endures. But I'm going to tell you, the letter killeth, but the spirit maketh alive. And you can become just as dusty as a Bible commentary. You can know all the answers to all the Bible questions. 
and be dead in your spirit and be dead in your heart. Listen to me. We need the spirit and truth. We need both. We need the Holy Ghost. I cannot be content with an ark that only has one-third of what God wanted me to have. And some people are rocking along and they've become contented having just a little bit of what the apostles had, having just a little bit of what the early church had. All they've got left is two table of stones. And at the dedication of the Temple of Solomon, listen to me carefully, there was no lamentation. There was nobody crying out, Oh my God, where's the golden pot of manna? They had become so accustomed to not having the things that, that the golden pot of manna represented. And they had become so accustomed not having the things that the Aaron's rod that budded. They had accepted. They had acquiesced. They had given up. They had said, well, at least we got the good word of God. Hallelujah. He may not do what he used to do, but he's great. His word is great. They didn't show any regret. It appears the missing items were accepted. And I'm going to tell you something. You can listen to me and listen real good. We cannot be satisfied just going to church and having a Bible study. And singing the songs and waving our hand and joy, that's all well and good. But we need the gifts of the Spirit in operation. We need the fruit of the Spirit. We need there to be messages in tongues and interpretation. We need the word of prophecy. We need the word of knowledge. We need the word of wisdom. We need the gift of faith. Hallelujah. Don't be satisfied with something less than what God intended for you to have in your Holy Ghost experience. That ark was a type of your Holy Ghost experience with Jesus. And don't be satisfied to have anything less than what God intended for you to have. We still need some times where the service gets real quiet and the message goes out. And I can see about this much light between their seat and their seat. Because the person next to them just bellered out with a message. We still need times when the Spirit of God can move and somebody can say, Thus saith the Lord. We still need that word of knowledge where God reveals hidden things so that we can know what we need to know, and the word of wisdom so we can know what to do with what he revealed with the word of knowledge. There are times when you may be faced with a tremendous decision and you don't know what to do and you go to God in prayer and as you're praying, all of a sudden you feel a peace and you know exactly what you're supposed to do. That, my friend, is the word of wisdom. It's a gift from God. Don't be satisfied living without it. And 416 years after the Bible records the Ark of the Covenant installed in the new temple, minus 
a couple things. 416 years later, the Bible records that the whole kit and caboodle's gone. The ark is now completely vanished, and you don't read about it anymore. I know some of these stories you hear me telling, but I'll never forget riding on the Greyhound bus and the lady looking over at me, and I was riding beside her. She said, excuse me, are you a preacher? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, are you a Pentecostal preacher? I said, yes, ma'am. And I was shocked when I saw, I was just a, a young man. I think at that time, I was 27 years old. Think about that. I had just become your pastor when I turned 27. And an old man of God came up to me and scared the liver out of me. He said, you're just old enough if you are old enough to pastor this church. I thought, thanks a lot. I was already scared. He just scared me more. 27 years old, I'm riding on a Greyhound bus because I don't have a car, probably, that was good enough for the trip at that time. <clears throat> and she said, are you a Pentecostal preacher? I said, yes, ma'am. And tears begin to flow down her face. And she said, preacher, I belong. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, this, this is what happened. No offense to anybody. I belong to the church of the Nazarene. She said, when I was a young lady, and she was an elderly woman, the people used to lift their hands, wave their hands, shout, speak in tongues. They used to dance and be slain in the spirit. And she was sobbing. And she said, I am the only person left in our congregation that still lifts my hands. You see, the art doesn't leave instantly. It leaves as you allow things that belong to the ark to be taken away, slipped away, just slipping off, and you don't notice. And how long has it been since you've really gotten the presence of God? How long has it been? And I didn't tell that lady, but I can tell you. The church of the Nazarene many years ago made a decision to walk away from the Holy Ghost tongues experience. They used to be called the Pentecostal church of the Nazarene. And they just dropped the word Pentecostal. And now it's just the church of the Nazarene. And it might seem like it's just a small thing. But it's not a small thing. When you begin to allow things to slip away out of your experience, you begin to lose the whole thing until somebody says, I'm the only one now in my church that still lifts my hands to praise the Lord. I don't say this as a slam to the Nazarenes. I have friends who are Nazarene. But I'm talking to this church. I'm talking to the people that belong to this church. I'm talking to people that have an experience with God and I'm saying, Mr. Man, you better hear me. You can come to church and clean your fingernails if you want to. You can walk into the house of God and sit there and just twiddle your thumbs while somebody else is getting out the instruments of music and the instruments of praise and they're worshiping God. And you may think, oh, those people are a little bit more emotional than I am. No, that's not the case. Those people simply understand that what you do not use, you lose. 
have been made fun of because uh, I encourage our church always uh, to be exuberant in our worship. Uh, but there's a reason for it. Uh, you've never stood outside the window of a church building that used to be your church uh, and it's closed down and now it's a pottery store. You don't know what it's like to have grown up in a powerful Holy Ghost filled church and one day go back through there and now there's no church in that town anymore. How did that happen? I'm going to tell you, it was not an instant thing. It was a gradual process. Things were just let go. Things just began to slip. People didn't feel like maybe that it was so important to worship God as radically as they once had or to study the word like they once had or to get on fire for, oh, I'm preaching to somebody in this building and online tonight. And I'm going to tell you, you lose what you don't use. That's why sometimes when you come to the house of God, you feel like a burnt piece of toast. You need to worship even harder. That's why when you've had a rough time and, and it hasn't been so easy for you today, that's why you need to be even more intense. I get more concerned out of people who can come to church and sit down like they're in a lazy boy than I am some people. There's gifts of the Spirit that God wants to give out. There's fruit of the Spirit that you're able to grow. There's loved ones that are waiting for you to get with it and start praying under the anointing. There's people out there that are lost and they're inches away from hell. And your Holy Ghost anointed prayer is going to make the difference. And the devil sees it. And so he tries to discourage you and keep you from worshiping and keep you from praising and keep you from being faithful and keep you from doing the things that got you where you are. Come on, folks. Don't let it slip away. Don't let it slip away. Don't let it slip away. Oh, God, we pray. Restore. I feel the Holy Ghost. Be glad then, you children of Zion. And rejoice in the Lord your God. For he hath given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain in the first month, and the floors shall be full of wheat, and the vats shall overflow with wine and oil. And I want you to notice the first four words of verse 25. And I will restore. Don't let me get old in my spirit. I might get old in my body, but don't let me get old in my spirit. I might get old in my body, but don't let me get old in my experience. I need a fresh touch from God. Renew, restore. I prayed already today, oh God, restore. I prayed already today, oh God, restore. Renew in me a right spirit. And I will restore. 
Verse 26, and you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God that hath dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be ashamed. And you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God and none else. And my people shall never be ashamed. And I want you to notice again verse 28, and it shall come to pass afterward. After what? After I restore you. It shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. I know the devil wants you to think that the United States is going to hell in a handbasket. I know the devil wants you to think that we might as well just close our doors and just begin to prepare for the worst. I refuse to believe that. I know we're going through dark and uncertain times, but I read this book, and the book said that God is going to restore. And after that, he said, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters, your children are going to prophesy and your old men are going to dream dreams and, and your young men shall see visions. I'm very troubled by Isaiah 42 and 22. It's a troubling verse. But this is a people robbed and spoiled. They are all of them snared in holes, and they are hid in prison houses. They are for a prey, and none delivereth for a spoil. And this is the part that troubles me the most. And none saith, restore. It goes back again to the ark. Things missed it, and nobody said, restore. Is it possible to become so acclimated and accustomed to where we are that we lose our desire for more? Could it be that the length of our journey starts to work against us? And those of us who have been on the journey for a long time have more of a challenge than those who are just starting? How many remember when you were freshly filled with the Holy Ghost? Anybody still remember that? Well, let me tell you something. When you were freshly filled with the Holy Ghost and somebody said, Oh, praise God! You'd probably jump up and dance and do a Pentecostal whirly bird right there. Now, 30 years later, somebody says, Oh, praise God! And you go. What's going on? Something's slipping. If you don't use it, you will lose it. And I think you know who you are right now. And I appreciate the fact I see so many people at the beginning of this year that are making a special effort. And you're saying, okay, that's it. I'm going to walk with God. I'm going to serve the Lord. We talked about this somewhat on Sunday night. And many people made a dedication and a consecration to God. And I believe that this is our day. Where is Aaron's rod that budded? Where is the fear of the Lord in this last day? The respect for the things of God. 
I'm going to just tell you, it's a frustrating thing when the pastor says, okay, I've prayed, and, and here's what God tells me to tell you. And then the person looks at you and says, well, that's how you feel about it. This is how I feel about it. And you're going, huh? You're asking me for counsel? Or did you just want me to come and just place a seal of approval on your plans? Wait a minute. Some of you aren't listening to me. What's going on? Where is Aaron's rod that budded in your life? Where is the golden pot of manna that says, God can do anything. This is nothing for God. God can do this. God's going to take care of me every day. He's going to supply my need every day according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Every day there's going to be angel food. Every day God's going to supply manna. I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. God's going to take care of tomorrow. You hear me when people lose Aaron's rod that budded and they lose the golden pot of manna. The next thing they're going to lose is the ark itself. But not me. I started out and I'm going to finish this race I have begun. Some of you are feeling bad about Brother Lloyd. You better feel bad about yourself. Brother Lloyd's got it made. You better just think about the race you're running and stepping over the finish line. I got one more valley to cross, one more river to cross, one more mountain to climb, one more valley I got to get through to leave my troubles behind. And when the Lord comes, will you still have your ark? Years ago, there was a man who was a part of this assembly. And he felt the call of God to preach. But things like things weren't moving fast enough for him, so he had to go around pastor. Had to find another way to get it done. And he got to preach. But the problem was, he walked away from the truth. Hello? And I walked up to him one day and I said, and I called him by name, are you going to stay with the old paths? And he looked at me, and I'll never forget his answer. It was one word answer. He said, somewhat. And when he said that to me, the Holy Ghost moved upon me, and I got in his faith, and I put my finger right in front of his eyeballs, and I said, you know better. Until one day, I attended a service that he was preaching. 
And he was already preaching. I slipped into the back and sat down in the back row. I wanted to hear what he was going to say. And when he got to the climax of his message, he said, and now we're going to lead you in the sinner's prayer. And this was a man that I prayed through to the Holy Ghost, that I baptized in the name of Jesus, that I took with me on evangelistic trips. But somehow, over the course of time, different things were taken out of his experience. Hey, you better want God more than you want anything. You better want to be right with God more than you want anything in this world. If you made a million dollars and had to lose your walk with God to get it, you were the biggest fool that God ever let live. So to this day, I've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul. You know what? I feel the Holy Ghost in here. I could just smack start speaking in tongues right now. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. God is talking to us. Church, it is the will of God that we pray for restoration. It is the will of God that in the days ahead, I don't care where you may be, wherever you are, shut that door, fall down beside your bed and say, God, restore. Restore my family. Restore your truth to this earth. Restore the Holy Spirit of God working in me. Oh, Lord, wake me up in the night and show me things I've never seen before. Oh, God, take me deeper. There's more to living for God than where you are right now. You can go deeper if you want to. Oh, God, restore. And now would you lift your voices for the Holy Ghost is speaking to me now. And he says, I will surely restore. I will surely restore those who desire to be restored. I will surely do it. I will restore Aaron's rod that budded, and I will restore the golden pot of manna. I will restore the tablets of the Word of God in their life. I will make it so they will not lose their experience ever, ever, ever. They're going to hold on to it. And now receive ye the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. Receive a renewal of the Holy Ghost. Be restored in the name of Jesus. Remember, you lose what you do not use. Lift your hands. It's okay. No one's going to come over to you at this point. Lift your hands. Lift your hands. I feel the Holy Ghost, a wave of Holy Ghost. And God is saying, I will surely restore him. I will surely restore her. I will restore. I will cause them to walk in the power and the anointing of my spirit. I will gift them with giftings of the spirit. I will bless their joy. I will add to their joy. I will add to their peace. I will add to their health. I will surely restore. Sweet, oh.
Spirit, sweet heavenly dove, stay right here with us, filling us with your love. And for these blessings, we lift our hearts in praise. Without a doubt, we know that we have been revived when we shall leave this place. I want somebody right now that feel as dead and dry as an old walking stick. But God is going to cause you to flourish. God is going to bring new life into you. He'll bring new life into you right now by his spirit. Hallelujah. You're going to talk in tongues more in 2021 than you've ever talked in tongues. You're going to see visions and dream dreams. And God is going to use you. And you're going to be fruitful in the kingdom of God. Oh, yes, I believe it. I feel the witness of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. I'm not going to let these things slip. I'm not going to let them slip. I cannot let them slip. Be restored. I pray in Jesus' name. Be restored. Hallelujah. 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 Where's your trajectory? Is it going upward or is it sliding downward? But in the name of Jesus, we're going to make it go upward by the presence and the power of God. More of you, Lord. More of you, Lord. More of you. Come on. You ain't seen nothing yet. More of you, Lord. When the old timers told me about the church where a lady was dancing in the spirit with her eyes shut and she danced right up to a red hot pot belly stove, never opened her eyes, came to the edge of it, danced back. In the spirit, she danced again up to it, never once getting burned. When I think about how that old elder who was a senior back then took my hands and began to pray over my hands and all the warts dropped away from my hands and to this day I have no warts on my hands. I don't want to lose that. There was a special anointing upon the church. There is still a special anointing upon the church. I refuse to let it slip. Is there anybody tonight whose heart hungers for more of God? Is there anybody here tonight whose heart desires to be used of God in extraordinary ways? Is there anybody here tonight that wants to move beyond the mundane and the mediocre and you want to move into the realm of the supernatural where God is using your hands for the healing of the sick and God is using your voice for the encouragement of those who are depressed and God is using your feet to take the gospel to people who would otherwise be. Is there anybody who has a hunger? Is there anybody that thirsts? Is there anybody that desires and said, Jesus, use me. Please, Lord, don't refuse me. There is a spirit of intercessory prayer that just came into this church. I, I don't know where it came from, but I feel the, the spirit of, of prayer ministry that's coming upon people. And God started to give it to you once before, and you got so tied up in your troubles and your problems and your situations that you walked away. But tonight, God is restoring to you that ministry of intercessory prayer, and you're going to move mountains. You're going to see things happen that could not happen. You're going to see miraculous 
miraculous things take place that you never would have seen. But God is placing the spirit of prayer upon you. You don't know how exciting prayer can be when God puts the spirit of prayer upon you. You don't know how that you can be praying for an hour and only think you've been praying for five minutes. You don't know what it's like to be caught up into the third heaven and God show you things that are unlawful to utter. But I'm talking to somebody that's desiring right now. There's a hunger and there's a thirst in your heart that says, God, I want all you have for me and my family. Receive the gifts of the Spirit. Receive the gifts of the Spirit. In the name of Jesus, receive a deeper walk with God. Oh God, let there be children that are filled with Holy Ghost power. Let there be seniors filled with Holy Ghost power. Oh God, age means nothing to God. All God is looking for is someone who has a desiring heart. You're going to make the difference in somebody's life. You're going to make the difference. You're going to stand and you're going to say, God, restore. Now for the next couple of minutes, no music. Nothing but communication with God. Those of you who want God to restore your walk to like it's brand new again. You forget that there's anybody else in the building. You close your eyes, and with earnestness, you begin to praise God. And in between your praises, just say one word, restore, and then talk in tongues. And then say, restore, and then talk in tongues. And just say, restore. And God is waiting for somebody to pray the prayer, restore, and he's going to do it right now. Here we go. Hallelujah. 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 Lord, we come out of the mundane. We're leaving the mediocre. We're tired of the average. We're tired of doldrums and dryness. We're tired of walking through dry places. We're tired, Lord, of walking through places where there's very little of the presence of God to be felt. Father, we ask for the Holy Spirit to baptize us again. I'm asking that you would immerse us, that you would dip us and plunge us into the Holy Ghost. I'm praying, oh God, that the Holy Ghost would just saturate our lives and that we would walk in the Spirit and be used of God in the supernatural. Restore! Restore! God, give that man a depth he's never had before. God, give that woman a depth in the spirit that she's never had before. Oh, God, give this pastor a depth that I've never had before. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus, 2021, we cannot let it pass us by. In the name of Jesus, Father, this year, this year, this year, answers to prayer. This year, miracles and signs and wonders. This year, healings, oh, God. This year year a deeper walk with God this year the prodigals come home this year oh God restore 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 
Rima Sando Rama Sando Ramahatanama Sandala Mokorima Sando Ramahutai Eto Rima Sandala Mahasanto. I love you, Jesus. This year, Lord, restore. This year, heal our loved ones. Heal those who are physically sick. Heal those who are spiritually ill. In the name of Jesus, yea, Lord. Oh, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Oh, this is old-time Pentecost right now. Come on, just give God some praise. This is old-time Pentecost. This is how the wave of God will flow across an entire group of people. We pray, restore. This is how God gives deliverance. This, in times like this, God can deliver somebody from an addiction. God can deliver somebody from a, a sickness. God can deliver somebody from whatever it is in the family. Come on, in the name of Jesus. That's it, just praise him a little bit more. You're doing so good. Let God carry you away in the spirit for a few moments. the power.